Hello everybody, this is the Kaniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And I'm Sam Driscoll. And you know what? What? We got our first guest on the podcast. Sweet! Hey everybody, this is the Kaniac Report. Again, I am Sam Wallace. Uh, uh, this is Sam Driscoll, and we have a, a guest, one of our friends. Hello, I'm Holden Bradshaw. How's it going, everyone? Comes to us all the way from the coast of North Carolina. That's and right. He's another Canes fan, just wanting to talk more about Or as Trip Canes. would say, he's a huge Caniac. Yeah, huge Caniac. Can I just say one thing, though? If you have high cholesterol, being a Canes fan might be a bit of a problem for you. Especially after tonight's game against the Nashville Predators, which we will definitely get to. Yeah, we'll get to that game. Um, let's first talk about uh, the Minnesota game. Now, Sam, you said you couldn't watch most of this game, right? Yeah, I wasn't able to catch the entire game. I caught a little bit of the third and, and saw them push. But again, it's they they couldn't get it done. And that's honestly the story of the road trip is they just couldn't get it done except in Boston where they they looked like the Carolina Hurricanes have looked all season but you just they they weren't playing well honestly it kind of reminded me of the Carolina Hurricanes of the mid to 2010s where they just collapsed or they couldn't get it done or it just wasn't good enough and that's not good to see at this stage of the season um, hopefully that can improve, but um, I mean there were some flashes in the Ottawa in the Minnesota game that I thought were good. I mean they came back. I thought they played a lot better and were more competitive in the Minnesota game than they were in the Florida game, which again we will get to. Um, Honestly, I think a I think a big part of the issue might or it's kind of going back to similar to like last season and the season before that, where some, at certain points of the season they really just struggled to play the full 40 minutes there's always like a 20 minute period that's just real rough or barely scraping by and they just collapse in that period and can't recover yeah and uh we did make that game competitive because we were down three to nothing that game and then Sveknikov almost put this team on his back with those two goals he's on a tear right now which is great but unfortunately we just couldn't get it done. But once again, Anderson showed that he's one of the best goalies in the NHL. Where do you think? What do you guys think are the main takeaways of that Minnesota game? I mean, it's good to see Svechnikov score goals. That's why we drafted him. We fully expected Andre Svechnikov to come into this um, end of the season and be our goal scorer. I don't think he's quite gotten to where they want him to yet, but. <laughs> I think we're seeing it now with him with him popping in one or two goals almost every game at the, the current stretch that we're at. I mean, that wild game, I mean, what doomed them was that third period start. They played really, really, really bad. Minnesota made them pay early with two quick goals, and Carolina just couldn't really come back. Uh, but they tried. I mean, Svechnikov played unbelievable. Um, that game. I thought the whole team really tried. And, yeah. It was a game of mistakes. So you had Slavin turning the puck over. Which does not happen often. 
it doesn't happen often, but it just shows that even your best players can make mistakes. But I thought that was a very competitive game and very fast-paced because both teams are just so fast with the puck. It was fun. Um, now let's get to that Florida game. That was something. Very emotional. Um, first period I thought was our best period. What did... Would you guys agree? I never felt well. I never felt like Carolina ever really took it to Florida. Um, I feel like Carolina was able to have spurts throughout the game, but the first period was the best. And I mean, we did take the lead because of that with with Tavo's goal. And honestly, it was kind of a fluky goal. You're not going to beat Sergei Bobrovsky, former Vesna, a winning goaltender like that often. I mean, that game showed it. I mean, Bobrovsky played very, very well. Um, I felt like Carolina turtled in that game overall, which you can't do that against Florida. I mean, they're they're cup contenders. I honestly felt like a big issue was that there was there wasn't enough there, there were, the physicality was there, but there wasn't enough answer to especially what happened a lot in the first period. Now, I understand some would say that there was the concern that if the Canes did any retaliation or anything to set a precedence, then we would just get more penalties. And sure, penalties aren't great. Yeah. However, we do have one of the best penalty kills. Literally, uh, I think it's the best penalty kill in the league right now. It's yeah. either first or second. I can't remember exactly. I believe as of tonight, at least I think before the Predators game, we were number one in the league. I think Pittsburgh may be a close number two. I'd, I'd have to, to check, but we're, we're definitely in the top three in, in the league right now. Um, but I think that brings up a good point, especially in that game. I feel like the refs lost control of it early. They really did. And never were really able to bring it back. Yes, the Carolina Hurricanes are the number one penalty kill team in the NHL. But it doesn't matter how many times, you know, if you're number one or number like 20, if you're giving the team five or six power plays a game. Exactly. It's going to happen. And I'm not saying Carolina didn't commit infractions. They do. They need to get that under control. I always ride that line of when it comes to officiating, I mean, there's a standard for every team. Now, I do think they have higher standards over other teams. But players also need to know those standards. So I kind of blame both areas there. But when you're um, going into a game, when you're looking at a team in Carolina who has at no point in the season had an embellishing call called against the opposing team. But every time an embellishment has been called, it's been called against a Carolina player. And players, where they don't have that history at all. They don't have that history at all. Here's a stat for you when it comes to the embellishment calls. Um... Four embellishment calls have been called against us, none for us. Yes, none. And Absolutely. that is a bit of a problem there. Um, but again, that Florida game was just. I think the officiating. I think it's. I think it's hard to point to a game where the officiating could have kind of had the game swung a certain way. But I think that second period is an example. It never really got off the ground. Because I think the officiating was just so they, they they were trying to rein in the game that they lost control of, so they were just calling everything left and right on on Carolina and a little bit on Florida. But I mean, Carolina got away with nothing. Florida got away with with a lot in that game. I mean, they had some cheap shots on some of our players. Um, 
Florida's a tough physical team. I mean, I think they played a little bit dirty that game. And anytime Carolina, <laughs> anytime Florida even would commit an egregious penalty where it was clear that that should have been called, Carolina got the call for retaliation. And yeah, you shouldn't retaliate. But, I mean, if you chop someone's stick in half, you go to the bar for slashing. But you miss the fact that there's a stick broken in half on the ice from slash, but you catch it when, when one of our guys goes over and makes them pay for it. So I don't I don't I think I think Rod has been very good about holding his tongue this season, which is really <laughs> impressive. Yeah, because I don't think I could. Um, there was a time where on the screen, because um, I was up in the nosebleeds during that game, and it actually showed Brenda Moore. There was a huge scuffle in front of the Hurricanes Hurricanes bench, and he, he and he was kind of going at it with one of the. Uh, Florida players. I just thought that was a little funny. Well, you can't take the, you can't take the player out of the coach. So you know he's always he's the player first. So I think he's always going to be that way, which makes him a really good coach and, and respected. And he's competitive when coaching too. You can tell he really gets into those games, especially yeah, yeah. the playoff. Games. I mean, you, you see, I saw him a little bit tonight. I caught a glimpse of him kind of getting heated about a call that went against against us tonight um, against Nashville. But yeah, Rod, Rod. Um, He's a good coach, and um, I see his frustration about about the officiating. The officiating definitely needs to be held accountable. I think that's something that's just not done right now, and that's not a, not that's not good. One thing I would definitely say, though, even with the season series not being fantastic for the Canes against the the Panthers in general, uh, I really don't think it's something to to worry about come playoff time. Because if you just if you look at the style of game that both Florida and Carolina play, they play an extremely similar type of game. Both are very good on the transition. Both are really amping up the physicality. I do think Florida has the edge on the physicality currently, which yes, I, I do think agree. something that is something that Carolina needs to do a little more of. Uh, but overall, you put that in a seven-game series, I really think it could go either way. It, it really could. When it comes to Florida, I think, you know, I, I mentioned, I've heard Adam Gold mention this a couple times, too. Um, but what Florida's issue is, is on the back end. The top two pairing with Aaron Ekblad, and um, I'm blanking on the other guy's top, the other guy's name. But those are great defensemen, but everyone else is just good or okay. And if you can get them to, if you can get them to turn, you're going to get behind them. They're not fast defensemen. And Carolina didn't exploit that the way they needed to. But Carolina has a five-flying offense. And if you compare the two, I would probably argue Florida might have the better offense and better scorers. But Carolina's defense is, is far superior to that of Florida. Um, we can definitely to, match against them. But to remember, too, against the, again about the fact that we lost, I think we went 0-1-2. So we got two points, which is good. We got two points in the series. It's not as good as obviously Florida got the full um, six, but remember in 2019, Washington beat us every single game in the regular season, and we won the playoff series. And so Rangers, regular season doesn't matter. Rangers in the play-in series too, they had our number, and we we swept them right back. So seasons, regular season does not matter when you get into the playoffs. Um, but I will say, Alexander Barkov, man, that guy is a beast. As a Canes fan, that that play was really good. You know, Barkov's a great player. He, he 
class act, good player, does a very good job um, doing what he's doing. He's led that he's led an organization that really has struggled <coughs> to to maintain a fan base and to maintain some sort of success. And you know, you have players like Barkov, you have players like Reinhardt, you have players like Huberto. I mean, they have a really good lineup. I mean, they are content. They are a contender. It is very easy to see an Eastern Conference Finals that features Florida and Carolina, and I think that would be one of the most exciting and enjoyable playoff series to watch. Oh, it would. And would you guys agree that that Barkov goal was more on how good he was than how bad it was at Shea, uh, the defenseman that kind of got spun around? Over. I mean, we've really seen that that type of thing happen a lot this year. It's it's gonna happen at some point. I don't I don't think anybody could say that Shea is is not good or anything like that just because of that one thing. Yeah, and he it, scored it tonight. Yeah, it, it does. And it's like what Slavin did in Minnesota. You're gonna have some duds in there, um, but eventually Tony D'Angelo um, brings the Canes back to the lead, and that was a sit. It was tipped off of the Florida skate, which was funny. Yeah, you always like it when D'Angelo scores, just his reaction, and it gets the team jumped. But what's sad is it didn't do that at that time, because Carolina, I don't believe, recorded, I think they recorded one more shot for the entire game. And then after that, I mean, after the next like minute and a half after the goal, that was it. It was all Florida, and they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And Carolina decided to, all right, we're just going to try and hang on. It doesn't work. It doesn't work when you try to hang on, especially during like the whole third period, because they only had. When I look at the uh, shots here, two shots in the third period. You can't have that against Florida. No, that's unacceptable. And you just gotta you gotta move forward and um, and do better. Uh, But you're playing Florida. I mean, they're a good team. There's really no shame in losing to the Panthers. You're gonna you're, Gosh, you're, no. to get to the Cup. You're most likely gonna have to meet them again, unless somehow Tampa Bay um, takes them out, which I think is the only competitive team in uh, the Atlantic who could, could could take them out. I don't really see anybody other than Florida or Tampa <coughs> Bay really coming out of the Atlantic yeah. Division. I mean, if Boston were to get hot, maybe, but I don't think I think their goaltending is good. I don't think their goaltending is good enough. Or better than what they're gonna, what you're gonna get from Bobrovsky in Florida, and Vasilevsky, who is the best goalie in the in the world in, in Tampa Bay. So I mean, I think those are your two got two teams that are are gonna be fighting for the Atlantic. And to put it all together, it's like obviously you wanted to come home after a rough road trip and win that game. They couldn't pull it out that time, but after the amazing year that the Canes have been having so far you kind of have to expect that there's going to be a run of games like this at some point. No team can win all the time. There's going to be a rough patch. So let's just hope that with the win tonight, that rough patch is over and we're moving on into the next great run. And I think it's important to mention in Florida, Nashville had a similar threat to them in that um, the Carolina Hurricanes, for the life of them, are struggling to score an empty net goal. It cost them against the Florida Panthers. Jordan Stahl missed it. I mean, just missed it by a couple of inches. It was very, very close. And it cost them the game. If, if Stahl had buried it or held onto the puck just a little bit longer and buried it, that's it. That's ball game. Carolina comes home with two. Florida comes home with nothing. Yeah, you got to score on the empty net goals, um, and, the, and you have to put the puck in the net. And Carolina tonight, did not do that. And tonight proved that 
when you deal with that, then you're going to mostly win the game. Um, and then overtime, I mean, I kind of expected Florida to win the overtime because I thought, one, they had the momentum of that game after tying it, and second, I do believe they were just a little bit faster, especially when we had Stahl out there. I know Teravinen's fast, but I don't think he's as fast as Aho or Svetch or Netris. Um, what do you think of that over? Very brief overtime. I mean, I thought it was a little bit of lazy play on Teravinen. I think he's a faster guy than they give you give him credit for. Teravinen shouldn't have allowed that kind of gap between him and was it Ekblad? The, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're gonna give that kind of space and time to anybody in overtime. They're gonna get a breakaway. I mean, Teravine and saw him. I mean, you could watch the play develop. The moment Florida, the moment the Florida guy looked up the ice, I mean, I saw the play coming from a mile away. And if I, I saw too. it coming from a mile away, and I'm at the game, you know, Rod and the rest of the players were like, oh, it was just too late, Teravine. And it was a lazy play. It happens. They just came back from a long road trip. I think they weren't quite getting their footing yet. It was just after the All Star break. And I, I think they're just kind of out of a rhythm and they're trying to get back into it. Lazy play or maybe just a tired fatigue factor from the trip. But, I mean, you walk away with the point, so you take it. Uh, you, do you guys think Anderson should have stopped that Ekblad goal? or I actually have more problem with the uh, uh, Barkov goal than I would. I think Anderson should have had the Barkov goal over the, I can more than that. the Ekblad goal. Yeah. Ek, it's a breakaway. You should both, you're supposed to score on the breakaway goal. Exactly. And that was not a good game, but then we go to tonight's game, which we just got back from as well, and they played a lot better this game than I would argue maybe the Minnesota game. Um, I would say the first period was still a little, a little iffy. It seemed that they got off to a slow start for maybe the first ten minutes or so. They did, but once they got their feet under them. That carried over pretty much until the last 10 minutes of the, uh, the third period. And honestly, I got to give a lot of... Uh, uh, it, was a, it was a very gutsy play, in my opinion, to pull your goalie at basically six minutes left in the game. I got to respect that. It worked out. But thankfully, they were able to bring back, get that empty netter that they've been struggling to get to definitely lock it away after giving basically everyone a heart attack. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, it was it was good to see them not let that cave them in like it has before. Yeah, we, we kind of saw a little bit of that Florida game toward the end there, but... Um... It reminded me, like I said, a little <laughs> bit of the 20... You know, like the 2013 like Canes, 2013, 14, 15, 16, and 17 Carolina Hurricanes, where it was just every third period, it was a collapse. It was a collapse. No lead was I mean, safe. Yeah, it didn't matter if you were up three goals, four goals, one goal. I mean, you're just like, all right, we're in the third period. Carolina's going to blow it somehow. Almost did. I mean, literally, I had, I, I, I had flashbacks to, to those games where, you know, you're in them and just Carolina just – it's you, they snatched defeat – out of the jaws of victory, and it's um, it's not good to see some of those old habits from the teams of past to kind of surface in this group. Because it's a completely different team. Yeah, uh, there's there's those. no one really on the only player on this team that uh, was there for that is really George Stahl, 
and and he and it was never really his issue when when they collapsed like that. Yeah, but, and maybe Slavin toward the end times there, yeah. Slavin and Pesci, but but I don't think this is going to become a habit. So I mean, no. if if we see that, I mean, I think by the time we do the next week's podcast, if if this has happened again, especially against Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and then Columbus, I think we'll be we'll we'll be able to have a conversation again, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, and uh, that first period was pretty physical, though. Is starting out now. Uh, Trocheck was in uh, quite a few of those, and he did leave the game. Um, I think we kind of know KK will probably be taking that second line spot until he returns. We have not gotten word as of yet recording this, but yeah, I checked before we started on on with front with uh, Sarah Sivian's uh, Twitter and few others but I didn't really see anything so I don't think Rod really talked about it I mean I'm sure he didn't quite know yet um, I think it's it's concerning when your number two center goes down I think depending on the severity of it it might affect trade deadline discussions or current you know trades maybe now I think it'll depend on again the severity of the injury we hope nothing it's not too bad and he'll come back and it was precautionary but the fact that he was pulled uh, I think they yanked him after the first period I don't think he played the second so yeah it's concerning it's something to pay attention to it is something to worry about um, one thing I will mention though if the rest of this year is any sign or the season I should say is any sign Canes tend to st- somehow even step it up a notch further when one of their key players is missing a majority of the time. So, and and then you always wonder like if they're at full health, like if they just play with that desperation, kind of like in the David Ayers game, that, that Toronto game. Uh, they had a few players going out including both the goalies. I mean, I think you you saw that play too. Played fantastic with Carolina when we had COVID hit. I mean, we had almost all of our best players. We were sporting almost an AHL roster. And you have players like Yemi centering almost like that first line. And he did that outstanding. So, yes, can Carolina win without Trocek? Absolutely. Can Carolina win a cup without Trocek? I really don't think so. Yeah. I think you have to replace it if it's long-term. I think you have to replace it if it's long-term for, for even a long stretch of the regular season. You need that, uh, especially if you recognize there's a struggle there without that offensive production. Because if you go down in the playoffs, you can't make a trade in the playoffs for a player. You're past the deadline. Yeah, and cap is no longer a, a thing <clears throat> in the playoffs. So that's mm-hmm. why you see teams like kind of what Vegas did when Jack Eichel is in. He started playing, I believe, yesterday. But they put Mark Stone on LTIR. Yep. That's not going to be a problem for them come playoff time. That's what we did. I mean, that's what we've done with Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner's on LTI. Exactly. And if he's able to come back, I mean, at the end of the season, that gives you more defensive depth, too. If we activate him, okay, well, guess what? We have a Jake Gardner has not been the best defenseman for Carolina, but he gives you an option. He's still better than someone if we had to dip in Charlotte. He gives you that extra, okay, we've got someone. He's someone who can score. So if you want that offensive defenseman, Jake Gardner's there. If he comes back for the playoffs, you activate him. I mean, I don't know if they'd ever use him, but he's it's still depth. I don't think they use him, but yeah, you're right. It's depth. I did think KK played uh, was noticeable. 
tonight, especially after the Trochak injury. Did you guys think that? or He definitely had a good game. Uh, I, I do think that he has a few more steps that he could take it. Uh, not sure if it's just still trying to get in with the system, still trying to just find exactly his play style in place here. But there's been times where he's shined a lot and then other times where it's kind of been hit or miss so I, def- I definitely feel like he's gonna he has those steps to take he's just gotta get to the point where he can take them exactly you can see the potential to me what's great about KK is that he has good shots a pretty good shot he could work a little bit on his skating and his passing but I think it's a shot that impresses me the most, but would you say? Yeah, I mean, he sniped his goal tonight. I mean, he got his own rebound and just, I mean, it was a bullet past Soros. Um, I mean, you're just, he now has more goals than the Canadians have wins. So, to all the Canadians fans (laughs) out there, um, I mean, come on, Kotkaniemi is an absolute great player. Did Carolina overpay? Yes. But guess what? We That's know the how purpose of the offer sheet. We know how to play the offer sheet game. You don't. It's okay. That general manager is gone. Better luck next time. <laughs> Honestly, I think Montreal fans are probably happy Mark Bergevin is out of a job. So, <laughs> <laughs> probably. But a, a, a guy that really played well and has been playing dominant, Sveshnikov, three point night, two goals and assists. Still wish he would be a little more careful with the stick infractions and yes. things like that. Although, honestly, I can't really blame the elbow on him tonight. He he's he was just taller than the guy. Yeah, he I, got penalized for being bigger than the other player. <laughs> I mean, but, okay. But overall, still think that there needs to be a bit more controlling and reining in of these stick infractions. But for the most part, and you hear some of the other announcers and uh, stuff like that mention the same thing, for the most part, even though he takes those penalties, he'll generally do something that makes up for it. Yeah, and I, and Sam and I we discussed this on the podcast, but he's really disciplined, been more disciplined a lot for really this season, which I'm really happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think another thing to talk about tonight was Ethan Bear didn't play; he was scratched again, and. We brought Ethan Bear in, and I've kind of harped on this some, just like I've kind of harped on Natchez, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention him too. Um, Ethan Bear has not been what Carolina hoped. I don't think at any point in time when they traded for Ethan Bear did they plan to scratch him at all. I think Ethan Bear was always anticipated to be that number one defenseman, not number two defenseman alongside Slavin, with D'Angelo playing on that third pairing to avoid any kind of unnecessary defensive matchups against the top t- top lines in the league. Um, but it's it's been D'Angelo on that top pair. Yeah. And he's been playing well defensively with Slavin. Again, Slavin makes everyone look better. And D'Angelo's learned a lot. And he's been better defensively than I think was expected. And Ethan Bearer has just not lived up to what I think was expected of him. Which is why, again, I mean, if my, my big my big thought is here, I really don't think Ethan Bear is on the Carolina Hurricanes after the deadline. And if he is here after the deadline, he will not be re-signed by the Carolina Hurricanes. They'll trade him in the offseason. Yeah, same here with Ethan Bear. I, uh, after the All-Star break, I kind of thought he was playing a little bit better. But there is still that question. 
because he because when I do see him play, there is again there's potential. He's 24 years old. He's still a little bit young, but he he's also 24. He's hitting into that prime age. You wonder if he's going to hit that, and it could be with another team um, than us, but it's just not working. Sometimes it is all about location. It is. Yeah. There have been quite a few players <laughs> in let's the see, NHL. Especially goalies for the Canes. You know, let's look at Kadobin. Yeah, Anton Kadobin had a great. Didn't he? Was, it was okay here, but he was good here. He almost but, won a cup in Dallas. Yeah. So. Uh, Justin Peters, I mean, he really didn't Ooh. turn out much in Carolina. Um, he had one good stretch, and yeah. then he just Scott yeah. Darling played great in Chicago as a backup, and then we just won't talk about his tenure with Carolina because he's a great <laughs> guy. Uh, I, I, lo- I love Scott Darling as a guy, and I defended him for a long time, but it just didn't work out in Carolina. But I think he's getting. I think he's doing. He's doing. He's doing better now, and I like to see that. He was a good guy. I always wished him nothing but but the best, but. Um, I definitely wish it had worked out better because, I mean, just watching Darling play in Chicago, he was a great goaltender, and things just unfortunately took a turn bad for him. But all the best to, to Scott Darling still. Um, it's good to see him playing again on occasions. I've seen some stuff on social media, so it's always good to see. Yeah. But the whole point of that being sometimes you bring a player in hoping that they're going to provide one thing. Sometimes they just can't really reach that point where they can provide it, and you got to be ready to try and use that then to your advantage to bring in what you do need, uh, especially with the Hurricanes looking to definitely make a deep run. You're going to need those rentals, possibly. I know, I believe, Waldella said that he's going to try and keep things as close to the same as possible, but you still got to think about bringing some, something in for backup. You know, there's some people that say we should think about bringing back Eric Stahl. There's some that say we shouldn't. Either way, whoever we bring in, I don't think it's going to be a case of them being put into a major role right off the bat. It's going to be more of a rental type thing where you're going to be in the reserves, you're going to be there in case we need it. I also think it's going to be more of a depth move, especially if you just look at the cap space that we have. We just can't pull out those big I I can see. I think the the one trade trade I could see Carolina doing... um, would involve um, either Klingburn, which would involve another team retaining salary, which would have to be done. And obviously Ethan Bear is being sent off in the other direction um, to, to make that happen. And you get a good... you get a, He's going to be inserted in the lineup. He's going to be a regular. Klingberg is great, great, great player, and he's right. going to get that depth. But I also think, I think an under-the-radar thing that I can see Carolina in, and I honestly think it fits the mold of Carolina's trades in, in the past, is Carolina doesn't like to trade for rentals. We really haven't seen it. If they did, the, the only time I've seen a rental trade recently was for um, Hockenpah. We didn't resign him. It didn't work out. I think Klingberg is another that I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's honestly, I think it's more likely at the moment that Carolina gets Klingberg than any other team. We seem to be mostly linked to Klingberg. But what fits the mold of the Carolina Hurricanes trade would be Jacob Chichurin from Arizona. A guy with term. That's Carolina's mo. They go for guys with term. So you would then you would send Ethan Bear to Arizona to try to get that you know maybe a prospects and as much as I would hate to see Suzuki go that way maybe Suzuki and a pick to entice them 
to retain half salary because if they did I think Carolina could make the salary issue work granted that's going to be several years for Arizona to maintain the salary but again Arizona is playing in a college stadium next year I really think that shows that they're not really looking to be more of a t- like a real honest to goodness competitor for several more seasons you don't you don't you don't make that move if you don't if you think you're going to be a cup contender or even any kind of a contender over the next several seasons and even with that as well I believe uh, the player you mentioned has been having a dis- despite the uh, lovely season of the Arizona Coyotes still has been playing pretty darn well for where he is yeah so he is I mean, there's a lot. I mean, Arizona has some good players. I mean, yeah, they have Clayton Keller, Chirilka. Yeah, their goaltender actually is pretty solid. And he's just on a team that doesn't really play well in front of him. And you're only going to be so good. And, and another example of that is, is Anderson, who played in Toronto, who doesn't believe in defense. Um, at the time. At the time. Yeah, their no, defense is definitely better, better this year. It's better now. It's still not good enough, I believe, to even really win a cup, and which is why I don't think I see Toronto. They might make it out of the first round, though. I don't think I don't think there's a team that they would go up against that they could beat. They would lose to Boston, they would lose mm. to Florida, and they would still lose to and they would definitely lose to Tampa Bay. The problem is is when they go up against these teams, where you get with Boston is you got their high powered offense, which is going to match Toronto's. And Boston does have a, a good defense still, and they and I don't think and I think Jack Campbell's a good goalie, but. I don't think he, I think he's having a decent season, but I, I don't think he's someone. He doesn't have that history yet, and I would say the same as with Anderson. Anderson doesn't have good playoff history, but he didn't have a team with the defense that Carolina has. So I think we're going to be surprised with Anderson, and we could be surprised with Jack Campbell. But I think Carolina's mo is you trade players with term. I don't think I think before Shea got hot, it was definitely possible to see a deal that involved Brady Shea with someone with more term than Shea had and a little bit cheaper than Brady Shea with similar skill level as Brady Shea with Chichurin. Um, but I can see Ethan Bear going out, maybe another pl- prospect and maybe a, a lower pick to entice them to retain salary. Because I think Arizona's going to be willing to retain salary if we send them some prospects and picks. Well, they definitely don't have a cap issue. No, not at all. They could afford to retain at least half. Another player I want to talk about, and I thought he played much better. You farped on him. Natchez. He got a pair of assists. I thought he played better. Um, But I don't think he gets traded at the trade deadline. If he gets traded in the offseason, I think I could see that more so happening. With Bear? Natchez. Natchez. Yes. I think Natchez. It's yeah. I don't. I don't He's a bit of a roller coaster. I don't, I don't know about about you, Holden. I don't really see Natchez being dealt during the regular season. He's a young. It's too, too bold cheap. of a move. He's too cheap to move. If you move him, you're going. You know, like pros. You know, pros. Like a prospective young player for a prospective young player who's similar, and you think a change of scenery is going to do well. Yeah. I don't see that happening now when he's as cheap as he is. You might deal him in the off season for a pick if you can't get a deal done. But during the regular season, he's just a cheap you know, he's a cheap rental. You keep him around. Honestly, I'll go out on a limb here and I think I'll say this. Wait until the playoffs and I think you'll see that Natchez will be a completely different animal. If he doesn't turn it around during the normal season, I think you'll see that turnaround happen then. 
I hope so. I hope tonight is an example of that. I've been harping on Natchez a lot because, oh my God, he it's, could not help but turn the puck over. Every time he touches the puck, you're just kind of hoping and covering yes, your eyes okay. praying that he doesn't turn the puck it's, over. It's been a bit of a rough se- season, but then again, I would say the same thing about Sveshnikov last season. Exactly. There were way too many stick infractions, way too many unnecessary penalties that really cost the Canes at important times. So, and I think with, with Natchez, too... It's a contract year, and I think you got to factor it in. And I think it's exactly. reasonable to factor that in. I mean, I would like to see more of the natures who can like put on the jets and like wrap around the goaltender. I like know he's done. He's done that this season too. Twice, I think. I think he's done it one or I, two times. But has he done it? I thought it was early on in the season, I believe. Hmm. Um, but I would like to see. I would like to see more of that from Natchez. He's fast. He's probably the fastest skater on the Carolina Hurricanes. He needs to use the speed, use the skill he has that we know he has, and just um, keep keep trying, keep playing. He can do better. He can pull plays like tonight, like he did tonight. There's not going to be an issue with Carol. With, with the, in order for the Carolina Hurricanes to win the Stanley Cup, Martin Natchez needs to score. Him, him or Jarvis. Him or Jarvis. It's going to be one of the two. You I think Natchez. You need both. Otherwise, you just have a player like Natus and Jarvis who need to score. That's why they're here. Seth Jarvis can put the puck in the back net, which he hasn't done. Natus hasn't done it. Jordan Stahl hasn't done it. Trocek needs to score more. Hopefully, he's healthy and can get back and do that. But in order for Carolina to win a cup, you need Natus, you need Jarvis, and you need Trocek to put the puck in the back of the net more frequently than they are. Especially since that's kind of an M.O. with the Hurricanes in general. We're not like we're not necessarily like teams like Edmonton or or, or Florida or Florida or Tampa or not Tampa, um, Toronto, Toronto. Tampa with, with you know you you got who rely on players like Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, Austin Matthews, Marner. Uh, Marner. We're more of a team that relies on the depth scoring. Now that's not saying that Aho, Teravainen, and Sveshnikov don't put up numbers. They clearly do, but. They're not out here scoring, you know, 100-point seasons or higher like uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl are doing for Edmonton, even through their rough patches. So in order for the Canes to really take that next step, you've got to keep that depth scoring going. And team play. Team play, depth scoring, all of it. Because Edmonton showed that even with two great players, you can still not have a good record. And Toronto seems to be digging their way out of that with Matthews and Marner, but I mean, it's it, it, it emphasizes team plays going to be really important in the playoffs. Which I think is part of why the Hurricanes fly under the radar a lot, even while still being one of the top teams in the NHL. We don't necessarily have the massive big name player that's putting up massive point totals. Sure, Aho is a superstar. I don't think anyone would even argue with you on that. But he's not a top five player. But he's still not putting up numbers like Ovechkin or yeah. uh, Dreisaitl. Well, Ovechkin is just a lazy player. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, when you sit in the same spot all the time, and then a team chooses not to defend you, and you've got a shot like he has, you're going to score goals. I mean, you're not going to see many times when Ovechkin's actually skating in to score a goal. It's, he's taking a slap shot and just standing I there. make the same comment all the time, but, you know, can't deny a fantastic player. Yeah, he's a good goal Yeah, he's amazing. But what do you guys uh, 
those three games that we just covered, who do you think were the three best stars of the week in I mean, your I guys' I, eyes? I don't really think you can go by the week because I think Carolina just didn't play good enough in Minnesota and Florida, especially in Florida against Florida. I was disappointed there. I mean, really the team in, in general. <clears throat> Um, especially nope. our top players. But, I mean, if you want to go by tonight, I thought Carolina played a really great game. I think they built a good game. And I think that starts, obviously, when you have with, with Brady Shea. And, honestly, mm-hmm. I would probably say Brady Shea would be my third my third star of that game with um, number two being Jacob Slavin with an unbelievably good goal. I mean, the defense was great tonight. I mean, they were contributing. They were um, doing their job. Slavin, Shea, D'Angelo all played really, really well. But I think Slavin, the number two, and you, I mean, you got to give it to Svechnikov. He had two goals and an assist. I mean, he's been hot. Even in the games where we lost to Minnesota and to Florida, Svechnikov has not been the issue. Svechnikov has played outstanding. He scored, he scored four goals in the last three games. I believe it's four goals in the last three games. I can't remember if he scored against Florida. I don't believe he did. But he's got four, at least four goals in the last three games and an assist. So he's got five points in three games at the very least. So... Svetch isn't an issue. He deserves for a star. He's playing great. Yeah. Holden, um, even if you don't have, like, three stars, who do you think right now? I would definitely say uh, probably third. I would definitely go with uh, probably Shea or Slavin, honestly. I would really say that for the most part at any time just because I feel like those are – Shea, I think, has kind of taken that next step and has really shown offensively and has really shown that he can definitely be up there in terms of... Because, you know, Canes have always highly regarded Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin. There are two core defensemen. I honestly think that Pesci has had a bit of a rough season so far. He's still playing good. Obviously, he's not really costing us that much or anything like that. But I think Shea has taken that next step and is kind of surpassed him this year in terms of the defensive play and the offensive play. So I would probably say second, third star, I would probably agree between those two players. Uh, first star, once again, definitely think uh, Svechnikov, you kind of have to give it to him. Yeah. He's been one of the forwards that's been playing the most consistently. Um, honestly, I would also kind of throw in there, Anderson, despite the losses, has still played fantastic. Yeah, honorable mention. Yeah. A, a lot of the time, the goals that have been scored on him, I wouldn't really consider them soft. They were mostly on breakaways or defensive breakdowns. You can't really blame him for those. Sure, he might want to take one or two of them back, but I don't think you can really place the blame on him for those. All three of those Nashville goals, I mean, the third one was a tip. <laughs> no chance for Anderson. The first one, that was, to me, that was more of a defensive problem because he was right there in that high dangerous slot and he just took that perfect shot right under the crossbar I mean can't really no you really it's rare 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 that Carolina has ever had to been eight has ever ended in a position to blame the goaltender for a loss I really think the only game where you could potentially put the blame on him is when um, LaFontaine played. I mean, he just he did. Yeah. He was. He's just not ready. <laughs> and it's not to say that he's going to be a bad goalie or never play in the NHL again. It's just not ready, and that's not a bad thing. You just keep playing and develop your game. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, he's a highly touted prospect. I really think he could make it, but you're just not ready. Anderson's ready every night. I really, really. I think other than the first game of the season where he looked a little shaky, 
Anderson's not been the issue. Yeah. And my three stars would be probably Shea, um, Svechnikov, definitely the first, like you said, Holden. He's just been very well. And yeah, I'll probably go with Anderson as the second. But yeah. Let's get to some uh, hurricane news. Uh, I think it was earlier this week we had. Piotr Kochkov. I might have butchered that name. Piotr Kochkov. Yeah. Yeah, he got released from his Russian team in the Russian league to um, Chicago. And uh, he was actually our first goaltender that we drafted, I think, in the Svechnikov draft. I could be wrong about that, but he, he has high potential. Right. Now. Which I, th- I think a big part of that just goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier with the amount of depth that this team has. The amount of reach we have to dip into the AH- our AHL team in Chicago with the Chicago Wolves. It's fantastic. I don't think you can argue any other way. Yes, and um, I'm looking up his stats because I know he was playing so very Piotr well. So Piotr Kachkov, the reason—I mean, if you look at his stats, I believe he was like ten, ten, and something. So I think that may have had a reason for him getting let go or him kind of choosing to come to the American Hockey League, where his his team in the KHL just I think wasn't up to par. Where if he comes to or if he comes to um, uh, at Chicago now, if he comes to Chicago, and we have another young goalie in Chicago with E two McIniemy. It's nice after you know after Cam Ward, we just didn't have anybody in the in the pipes or in the in the system other than Alex Nedeljkovic, who is a guy we developed, and I think it's really great to see that we've clearly developed um, McIniemy. I think is what you said, and mm-hmm. Kachikov. I mean Kachikov, I think is probably going to be a step ahead of him. Only because he was playing in a league with men, like exactly. in the KHL. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to take him too terribly long. I can definitely see him being someone that steps into that starters crease sooner rather than later. And I, I honestly have high hopes for him. Because let's see, with the Wolves now, there's Alex Leon. Yeah. Uh, you have tons of goalies. Okay, there's down four there. goalies now. Because LaFontaine <laughs> is LaFontaine down there now as well, or. I can't remember exactly where he. I got know we set. have some goaltending injuries, and I know that's been an issue. That's why we we uh, signed Jack Lafontaine because there are so many right. injuries with our goal. But I believe having Lafont, you know, I think having now because it's going to be Alex Lyon with Kochkov and Mackinyemi, and it's really going to be those three kind of probably rotating in the crease. And Carolina had a three goaltender um, tandem. I don't really think Lafontaine's going to get a lot of starts. I think that was an emergency signing. I don't see us signing him again. So we'll probably end it's up... It's just for training. one year, actually. So Yeah, I we'll mean. probably end up dealing, dealing LaFontaine. I mean, there really is no room for him in the organization. When you have um, Kochkov and Yemi. you have Anderson, you have Ronta. I mean, you have Ronderson and Anderson for two years. And again, an injury, if you want to keep Lyon around, that's fine. But I mean, I don't think that's even going to be necessary after next season. Is when you have Kochkov and Makanyemi, one of those will be ready. ready to step into the, at least the backup crease when necessary. Yeah, they're younger than Lafontaine. He's twenty-four. They're both twenty-two years old. And it's good to have young goaltenders yeah. in the system. And Kochkov is posting a, um, I got his stats up here, a nine twenty-six save percentage in the KHL men's league. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, he's going to be a he's going to be a star. I can definitely see him being a, one of the one of the best in the league. So. I am looking forward to him really 
really being able to play in, in the NHL. I think that'll that'll happen sooner rather than later. We'll have to take a look. Um, I think it's, it's a great name. Yeah, it is a fun or fantastic name. It's a fun name to say, Kachkov. Um, but you never know with with Ronta. I think Ronta has been fine this year. But if Carolina feels that Kachkov can come in and play, you can see Anderson getting shipped out too. So um, maybe not 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 well, not not the season, but it would be something next year. I mean, Ronta has been good. He's been injured some. He hasn't really been. I think as good as they wanted him to be, but again, nothing again to fault Ronta. I think Ronta's been good enough to win in every start he's had. Well, they both have two-year contracts, so yeah. after that, I think we'll probably be starting to see one, at least one of the two young goalies coming up. Um, let's also get to there was a big trade that happened very early this week in the NHL. We'll probably be reporting on trades of this level here in future episodes as we approach the trade deadline. But what do you guys think of that Tyler Toffoli trade? He's a 20-goal scorer. Yeah, I mean, Toffoli's a good player. I mean, I, he, I've kind of... I, I, didn't, I did not realize that he was um, as available as a player... I didn't realize that his current team it was it was from Montreal, I believe. I, I didn't believe Montreal was actually in the market to deal him. I thought he was one of their best players, so I, I was I was slightly surprised to see him get traded away. I think it helps a team like Calgary, who is is really trying to push. And, and they're on a tear right now. They've won like seven games in a row. Right yeah, now. it was That's a good it was a good deal us. for for Montreal to make. I mean, they got a 2021 first round pick, 2023. Well, I mean, it's conditional, so it won't as long as it's not in the top ten, and it won't unless Calgary has a monumental collapse, and they probably yeah. will not. They have a fifth round pick, and they have a fourth round pick also conditional, and then they got Tyler Pitlick and he's a D- a prospect. I mean, you know. That's not bad. Good. They're, yeah. they're rebuilding, so they they dump cap and about four point two five mil and Tyler Toffoli. They bring in a player that's only one point seven five. It was the right move for both teams. I mean, both teams gained something in, in the in the system. So, you know, it it makes sense. So, it's good to see some. Uh, it's good to see big trades happening, and, and and I think it could be a foreshadow. I think this could choose to. It might set the market as Elliot Friedman likes to talk about. Which isn't always a good thing. Um, you want to be the first team to do it, so you set the market. So it's good for them; they've exactly. set the market. Um, so we'll see if this is something Carolina is willing to, to do at the deadline. I Before thought it was the a, deadline. I thought it was a fair trade for both. I do too. I think it's going to be interesting. I'd like to see. I mean, I know Don Waddell is is going to do hopefully what's best by the team. I will say now, any decision, a decision to not. A decision to stand pat at the deadline shows that you're not as committed to a cup as you should. You can always make your team better and add something at the deadline. Whether that's something as simple as signing Eric Stahl to a short-term league minimum deal, which makes the team better, it gives you depth, or something simple as dealing Ethan Bear and de- adding Ethan Bear in a deal to attempt to bring in Chichurin or to bring in Klingberg makes your team better. Yeah. And I think you need to make the team better. But if Natchez and uh, Jarvis can pick up the the goal scoring and offensive um, prowess that they've shown they can do, <clears throat> I think the need for a forward 
dwindles. Where bringing in like a player at league minimum like Stall would make sense because then you know if you wanted to you just either you put a player like you just put one of your guys who's who's at that on on waivers you know you determine whether what's who it's necessary for that position to be done. Well, we or, have or you trade depth. someone, or you trade someone for a depth on the roster, just to kind yeah. of give you some wiggle room. You trade for a pick or something. That's what I'm expecting is just a depth move. Um, but I think the reason why we're it's out there that we're looking for more of a defenseman than forward is because depth wise, I do think we're a little bit better forward. Yeah, Jack Drury waiting in the wings, Suzuki. I mean, we have some good de- offensive uh, depth. Uh, Josh Levo. Um, I, I thought he had a good game against New Jersey. Yeah, he good. played fine. He was yeah. probably the best player against New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that wasn't really a good game for the team. But, no, he played great. Um, but, you know, our offensive depth is good. Our defensive depth, I think, was really good at the beginning of the season on paper. But I think Ethan Bear's regression – has kind of exposed our depth might not be as good and 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 give it. I mean, Brendan Smith has played really, 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 really well, and that's good to see. Um, I would like to have seen Ethan Barrett do better. I know I've seen some reactions on Twitter, some folks think to think that he shouldn't be taken out, but it's just reality. Brendan Smith has played better than Ethan Barrett in the lineup, but in all fairness to Ethan Barrett, again, he has more potential. Ethan Barrett's best night is going to be better than Brendan Smith's best night. But the issue is, we're getting more best nights from Brendan Smith than we are from, from Ethan Bear. So it makes sense to put a guy like Smith in the lineup, who's also tough. <clears throat> and I think, honestly, at the end of the day, it, we it, it's good to have a guy like Smith in the lineup. So bringing in Kleinberg, I mean, he's a big dude. He can throw the body around. He can score goals. Bringing in Shachurin, he's a good player. Yeah. Ethan, And they're, and they're going to have better better... Um, nights than than Bear, Bear 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 would have, so it's disappointing to see that didn't work out. I had a lot of high hopes for Ethan Bear, and you know, obviously, I would love to see him succeed here in Carolina. He's a young player, but, but if it if it's clear that it doesn't, he's I, I I think the fact we've seen him get benched like he has, I think it's foreshadowing. I don't believe Carol. I don't believe there is trust in him at the moment. If there was, he would not be getting benched. So I'm expecting a deal at the deadline with Bear, um, but I, I don't foresee a I don't foresee a contract in his future with and us. There there are there is another defenseman that we've been linked to, um, and that is Justin Braun from Philadelphia. He act if you look at the plus and minuses at least the last time I looked at it, uh, he had the he had the best, um, and he's a purely defensive defenseman. We're just going to need to see what happens with the trade deadline. Any last remarks? I think a good last question to end on for for tonight is what do you think the team 100% needs in order to take that next step to ensure a deep cup run? Um, me personally, I think they need to add on the blue line. Whether that's someone like Braun, Klingberg, or Churin, I think again the mo is Carolina goes for the guy with term. But I think they add on the blue line. I think they have to add on the blue line. I don't think there is a waiver. I don't think there's room to be room for error here. When you have Tampa Bay did the same thing when they won the cup. They added on the blue line. Yes. I think David Carolina. Samar. Yeah, and I think Carolina also needs to add a middle six 
forward, either a third, second line forward, someone that can score goals, provide offensive. Um, support. So more of a two-way type of defenseman. Yeah, and then a, a not decent like forward. a purely offensive. No, or purely defensive. A guy who can come in and play well on the blue line, whether that's your first, second, or third line. But then I think Carolina also needs a a a third, second, third line forward. Where I believe Eric Stahl is just the best way to go. I think you can. I think if you can get Jordan to talk to him, a lot of the people in the organization who had kind of had their, um, had like a sour, given Stahl a sour taste in his mouth with this organization, they're gone now. So I think it just makes sense to bring in Stahl for a league minimum to a chance to win a cup with his brother. I mean, that just doesn't happen that often. It'd be great to see them win a cup together. Um, I think it makes sense, and, and um, some people said it might be awkward because Stahl used to be the captain. But again, there's nobody left on this organization, this team, who who played with uh, maybe you know Slavin. But I don't even know if Stahl was captain under under Slavin when Slavin was here. But yeah, that's about it. I mean, you know, bringing I think bringing in a forward like or like Eric Stahl, and then I think you have to more than even the offense, you have to add on the blue line. You have to you have to upgrade Ethan Bear on the blue line. All right. So well, you said. Um, I think defense to me is the way to go. Um, I, I I agree. I think it needs to be a two way a guy that can score and, and a guy that can defend. I think the biggest thing though, and you can kind of tell with the acquisition of Bear and D'Angelo, is that this guy needs to be a good skater. Um, yeah, Bear might not be the best skater, but that's what we were aiming for, is for these guys to be good skaters. We kind of saw that with Hawk and Paul. He was not a good skater at all, and he got burned in the playoffs. So uh, if you had to choose, Klingberg or Chichurin, if you had to choose one of them, who would you want to see Carolina go after? Chichurin. Because of the term, or do you think he's the better player? Term, and I think he's the better player. Um, overall, I think Klingberg offensively is a bit of a better player, but I think I think it's a good chance one of them comes to Carolina. It doesn't matter of which one. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you guys for having me tonight. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah, it was good to have our first guest on the podcast. Um, definitely look forward to having you on again at some point, especially when we play. Um, I'm around these weekend games um, and we'll definitely try and get some more folks on the podcast and always try and spice it up just a little bit Um, well thanks for joining us folks Um, I'm Sam Driscoll I am Sam Hollis and if you like this episode please share leave a review and hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode and hey please share have a nice night